0: Hey, welcome. So today's talk is called Care to Share, but we always sing the Jai Radha Madhava Bhajan right before class, most of the time, so you can all sing along. Um, if you don't know the words, then everybody has these cool gadgets called, you know, phones. You can just t- look up Jai Radha Madhava. Oh, we got it there. It was missing.
1: Jaya Radha Madhava Jaya Kunja Bihar He J Krishna Hari Krishna 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 Hadiha.
0: Shnipad Paramahamsa. Puridajikacharya Shota Shota Shishimad. His divine grace. Shilai Bhakti Vedanta Swami Maharaj. Srila Prabhupada Keen. Jaya Shnipad Padama Hamsa. Puridajikacharya Shota Shota Shishimad. His divine grace. Shila Bhakti Sadanta Swami Maharaj. Srila Prabhu Padaki. Shrimad Phagwagita Key. Gaurapremanandi, all glories, all glories to the assembled devotees, all glories to the assembled devotees, all glories to the assembled devotees, all glories to Shishi, Guru and Garanga, all glories to Srila Prabhupada. Hare Krishna. Welcome. So a question for everyone here what would you say is a sign of someone having a, a good education Amanina giving respect to others okay very nice what are, what else would you say what is another sign of someone having a good education developing good qualities you want to name some of the qualities Humility, tolerance, patience. What? He's got some money, you, know, you say, you know, you, you did you go to school? And he just opens his wallet. He says, "You see." <laughs> Anything else? Intelligence. Fame. he, has some, he becomes famous. So, there is a, a great scholar that Prabhupada often quotes. He is, a, he is a, a Brahmin, an intellectual. Hare Krishna! We have some folks there in the back too. So, he's, he gives this, uh, this shloka. He says, "Matrevat shu, that one sign of education. Mathevat paradvareshu, paradvareshu atma looshtravat, So he says that a person who sees other women. This is written from a male's perspective, but it applies all different ways. As his mother. If she's not his wife, who does he see them as? Mother. George, do you have a tattoo that says mom? There you go. See? Mom. He sees all other women as his mother. And then he said... Atmavat sarvabhuteshu, that he sees the pains and pleasures, he sees their, how, what, their, what their status is, what their consciousness is, he takes that in an empathetic way, he sees that as, a, as it is his own. And then he also sees the lushtravat, that their possessions are like garbage, in the sense that he, how many of you go through people's dumpsters? Anybody go through your neighbor's dumpster? Hmm? So usually that's not taking place. That a person is going through their neighbor's dumpster. Hare Krishna. So he doesn't he doesn't become greedy over others people's possessions. But the one that we would like to focus on is seeing the pains and pleasures of oneself of others as one's own pains and pleasures. He is very empathetic. Very busy Sunday program. (laughs) So, because he sees others' pains and pleasures as his own, he takes compassion upon others. And he tries to share knowledge. Why does he try to share knowledge? Because it is understood through the Bhagavad Gita that our main thing that we're lacking is not a, you know, a very good car insurance plan or a good job. But we're lacking in spiritual knowledge and thus we suffer in different ways. So if you do have a child that is noisy, then it's good to go. You can, you can go, there's serving prasadam in the other room. And maybe they're hungry or... Yeah. So they, they feel that pain and ple- uh, the pleasures of others. So they're happy at seeing others happy. And they're sad at seeing others t- in, in their distress. So they want to uh, appease that distress. And through the Bhagavad Gita, it's understood that we misidentify the body as a self. For example, if you worked really hard for a nice car. Anybody here have a nice car? Some car? Nobody wants to admit it. <laughs> I'm sure we all have nice cars. I think my car is a nice car. It's a 2004, but it's a nice car. One time I was driving the 2008 car from uh 2018 car from the rental car. It was like it's so stiff. My car is smooth. <laughs> So say you worked at um, UPS, and not as a manager, you're working really hard every day uh, delivering packages in the Texas seat. Like my mother, she worked in Airborne Express, and they were the same thing, like UPS, delivering packages. So it's hard work. But she was very happy to save up her money and get a nice BMW. BMW. But one thing she mentioned is that well, as soon as she got the BMW, she was afraid that their car, her car would get scratched. She was afraid of you know somebody parking too close to the car, some some scratch would come. Now, just imagine you're in that situation. You work really hard, and maybe you purchase a car that was a little bit beyond your means. How would you feel if it got a scratch? So, it, there would be a literal extension of your nervous system into the car. <laughs> you go, ah! You'd feel that pain deep in your heart. And you'd say, you hit me! A hum car! I am this car. <laughs> so, there are examples of persons... throughout history, throughout the world, due to their spiritualization, even in the face of apparent distress, were at peace. For example, we are living in the buckle of the Bible belt. So who is that person that was um, uh, put, nailed to a cross? And He said something. There were these ladies that were crying and crying as he was being taken to be uh, put in this situation. Does anybody know what he said to those ladies? The ladies that were crying as he was taking his cross to be crucified. What did he say to the ladies? He said, cry not for me, cry for yourself. Meaning that a person on the uh, platform of pure love of God, you could put them on a golden throne or you could nail them to a cross and it wouldn't make a difference. Because there are Investment in in happiness and and their in attachment and connection to the pain is not the same as someone who is not in that state of realization. Like many devotees saw Prabhupada, he was when he left this world, he was in a condition that would have uh, of extreme pain, but he was not behaving in such a way. But he was in a, in a condition that would have extreme, extreme pain, and what was he doing? in that situation that he had extreme, extreme pain, he was writing literature. Like we said, once again, if you do have a child that uh, finds the class uninteresting, or if you find it uninteresting, we can please go to the other room. They have prasadam there. So, that is the example that, like... um, we gave the example of the person who worked really hard for their BMW. Now, what if someone did not work hard for their BMW? They could buy hundreds of b- such BMWs. Mr. Amazon. If, if uh, he was picked up in a, a company BMW, which I don't think they would pick him up in a company, they'd pick him up in a nicer car probably, but maybe they picked him up in a company BMW and it got a scratch would he feel the same way that you know, the person who worked very hard for that is no. not as invested in it? You can drive past a, uh, an, a dump and there are all kinds of BMWs and other cars broken and, and torn to pieces and you don't start crying. But if it was yours, there's a very good chance that you could you know, break down crying if that was the car that you worked so hard for. So similarly, the person who has an intense level of spiritualization, they do not experience the world as others. And that can be experienced by ourselves to certain degrees as we practice spiritual life. Shanae, Shanae, Paramet. And so in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says that his very, very soft spot is that when we share Krishna with others, he said, "This is in the 18th chapter." He says, "A person who shares Krishna this teachings with others is most dear to me, and never will there be anyone any more dear." So, I wanted to show you, uh, share some stories, not of my own, but we have some senior devotees here, and um, I want I asked them if they could share their story how they came to learn about Krishna consciousness. Because pretty much the only way you come in a lot of situations is that someone took compassion to help you out. So, we have Mother Antayami here.
1: Hare
2: Krishna, everyone. Uh, every single one of you... In this room has a story as to how you came to Krishna consciousness. Some of you were born into families in other countries, so it was like your foundation. Mine was a little different, and granted, I know that this is not the first body I appeared in. We've all appeared in many, many bodies, but quite a few years, years ago, my brother in law came from Maryland. He had just met a devotee, and he brought it, the uh, teachings to our family, so I'm a Baptist very puffed up thinking there's nothing he can tell me but he came to Michigan he brought the Bhagavad Gita and he said that I should read it so I thought let me do him a favor I'll read the Bhagavad Gita but in actuality I was doing myself a favor I ended up reading the book didn't understand a word went to the temple didn't really get into the deity worship because I was always taught you bow down to no one but there was something about the energy in that particular temple. And as time went on, I took a bhakti yoga class. And what happened was a repeated series of tests that could only have come from Krishna. Uh, in the position that I worked for, uh, the job that I worked in for a public utility company, I ended up in the middle of an FBI sting. I also ended up... Um, In the middle of some financial wrongdoings in the corporation that I was in. And eventually it brought down a couple of people. In the process, one of them defending my voice. Not necessarily being a whistleblower. But talking about it ended up losing his life. And what I found out was I was faced with a number of life-threatening situations where I could have lost my life. Anytime, on the job, going out as an energy management consultant, uh, whatever the position was, Krishna had to cover me because there was no other explanation that could have explained it. So the deeper that I got into the bhakti yoga, the more that I realized there has to be someone extremely powerful somewhere. And what happened was when I had an ounce of faith, and that's all Krishna really requires is an ounce, just a little bit of faith, smaller, jai shishiradakala jai. Krishna only requires a bit of faith, smaller than a mustard seed. And that's about all I had. The more I developed it, the more Krishna came into my life and revealed himself. So over a period of 30 some odd years, it took me a long time I now have no life without Krishna. He found me. I didn't realize I was looking, but he found me. And if there's anything that you can take away from this, if you have come this far and walked into a temple and you're hearing the nectar of a speaker that's speaking, give them your utmost attention because this may be the only time in your life that you have the opportunity. So take it and it is worth the journey. Haribol. Hare Hare Krishna.
0: Hare Krishna. And so I also asked Mother Nandini also to share her story, how Krishna caught her. Hare Krishna.
3: Hare Krishna. So, uh, let's see. It was a series of Krishna knocking on my door and um, I just read a pastime of my spiritual master that he wrote and he said that in um, the early years when Prabhupada was at Thompson Square Park chanting under the tree, my spiritual master Tamal Krishnamaraj played the flute there for three hours. But he could not surrender at that time. And so I do not equate myself at all to the status of my spiritual master. But Krishna knocked on my door several times. I was a a hippie. (laughs) At 17, I, I left home and I moved to Charles Street, which was the hippie happening place in Boston. And I used to sit and chat with the devotees. There's a beautiful temple there. In Boston, very just a few blocks from from the uh, Boston Common. So I would chant with the devotees, and um, you know they would tell me, you know, you should just surrender and come and come to our temple. And I said, no, it's you're all beautiful people, but no, I'm not ready for this. So um, I hitchhiked across country with a friend and wound up in California, and in California. I was um, awake all night with a bunch of friends doing wild things that people did on the hate in those days. And in the morning the devotees <laughs> were in the Golden Gate Park holding hands in a circle, singing Govindam It was just like I felt like, you know, angels had come down from the heavens. But still no no, I, I couldn't surrender. And then several years later, um, we, after many different moves, we moved to Dallas. And one day, my husband and I went on two separate business trips. And I came back with the Bhagavad Gita and he came back with the Happening album. And again, just like um, Mother Antayami said, I couldn't understand one word of the Bhagavad Gita. So we just kind of put it up on the shelf. Shortly after that, there was a knock on our door. We lived in North Dallas. And this man came in with a roll of Hong Kong paintings and put them on my floor. And I told him they were hideous, (laughs) horrible. And then he said, wait, wait. And he rolled out a bunch of silk Pishwa paintings of Radha Krishna, Rajasthani paintings with Radha Krishna. And I I thought, these are spectacular. That time we had a business called International Expressions. We were bringing art from different parts of the world. So this was beautiful. I sold them to designers. And after several, maybe a month or so of us doing business, all of a sudden this devotee, this person, you know, said, okay, we've been doing business for a long time. And he whipped his hat off and he was shaved up and had a seeker like a devotee <laughs> he said you should know who I am so at any rate it was this devotee who uh, had many names but we knew him as Steve Bartlett and he's the, the, the young devotee he was never initiated but he was so dedicated to my spiritual master Tamal Krishna Maharaj he did all the upholstery that you're sitting on in this temple many many years ago And he was instrumental. He made arrangements for my husband, my good husband, Kartikeya. He's sitting right there. And I, to have Darshan and meet my eternal spiritual master. It was a... That was it. (laughs) When we walked into that office, the the room was just glowing. And I knew I'd I'd had, you know, read many books, spiritual quasi-books through the years. And... um, We knew we'd met, I met my eternal spiritual master. So somehow or another, uh, Krishna comes through the devotees and, um, through the books. We got these books somehow or another. And, um, that was in, well, in 1972 was the first time I met the devotees, probably before a lot of you people were born, you young people here. (laughs) And then, um, then again, and then again, and then when the devotee knocked on our door, we moved into this community in 81, 1981.
1: Hare Krishna. Thank you so much.
0: So devotees take great sacrifices. Like you hear, we had this, you know, everyone knows the story of Jesus Christ, what kind of sacrifices he took. And so, even devotees in modern times, they take great sacrifices in sharing and presenting Krishna to others. So, this one bhakti, this one lady, she was selling Prabhupada's books on a train in Paris. And a man came and kicked her in the chest, knocked her over, took the book, and tore it in half right in front of her. And he pushed, uh, when the train stopped, he pushed off the train and he said, "Uh, I'm keeping this. The, The man went home and he was a wealthy man. He had a maid and she found the book. She said, oh, there's a book. It's torn in half. Let me fix it. So she fixed the book and she put it on the bookshelf. Later on, the man uh, went through some great trials and tribulations. He had a child that died. Then his wife divorced him. And he was coming to the point of uh, intense depression, to the point he wanted to commit suicide. He did not know what to do at all. And he was sitting there in that depressed state, and that book fell off the bookshelf. He read the book and was very much touched by it. And so he decided to go to the nearest temple. When they opened the door, he was on the floor begging for forgiveness. He is now the treasure of Iskhan Paris for For many
1: decades.
0: (laughs) So, it's actually Krishna's soft spot. That's why the devotees take such risk. Because you're all here. I'm sure you all want to get close to Krishna. But here's the secret. It's his soft spot. If you share with others. And sharing means you really got to go outside. For example, um, if I... If, you, if I told you I give great charity, you say, Yeah, really? Yeah, I'm very charitable. You, you know how much money I give my wife? <laughs> you would say, Whatever. <laughs> or oh, my brother or my cousin. So, uh, when, well, if you read a book called the Brihad Bhagavatamrita, it describes a soul going back to the spiritual world. And Prabhupada said this many times, that Krishna loves us more than we could ever love Him. And that He is hankering for our association. So He tells that soul how how we broke His heart. That we had left Him. And how we broke His heart. And that He would hope, I hope in this life He comes back to me. I can't I can't force him. His desire is to remain separate from me, so I create a whole universe where he can remain separate from me. But I really hope my dear friend will come back. And you crushed my hopes, life after life after life. You had me hoping like a fool. This is what Krishna is revealing to his devotee in the Briyad Bhagavatamrita. So Srila Prabhupada said, this is Krishna, this is Lord Chaitanya's anxiety, how the souls will come back home to him. And so if we want to please Krishna, if we really want to get to his heart, then that is why we share with others spiritual knowledge. Sometimes you, people, uh, not, you, uh, people, you hear people say that Hinduism is not a religion that proselytizes. Has anybody ever heard that before? Well, all the acharyas, Shankaracharya, Madhavacharya, Acharya, were traveling teachers. They might not proselytize in a sense like uh, a, a Southern Baptist, <laughs> where you get on the box and you say, you're going to hell and you're going to hell. <laughs> it's different. You give people knowledge. Actually, right before we end here, about preaching... It is, as Giriya Swami mentioned in the previous class last Sunday, there's what is an offense called preaching to the faithless. It means we should not speak in such a way that it, uh, it, faith is dependent on the message. That they first should be convinced. Like you can tell people how the soul is different from the body in an intelligent way, where the person then get develops faith. And when they develop faith, then you can go on deeper and deeper and deeper matters. Uh, so that's how we do. We try to use our intelligence to meet people for where they're at and and help them take the next step. And so you find Bhagavad Gita. It is not a very kind of blind faith book. All throughout the Bhagavad Gita, Arjuna is asking questions. The, there are 18 chapters. Nine chapters start with a question, and nine chapters start with an implied question. Practically every verse Krishna is intelligently uh, uh, answering different doubts that are being transmitted to him, that are being revealed to him from Arjuna. He is answering all these doubts. So it is very intelligent. So we can practice learning how to present Krishna consciousness, intelligent to others, so we can ourselves get that kind mercy, as Krishna says, uh, that no one will be more dear. And the person who does this they first they get bhakti and then they'll get me. So if you want Krishna, this is his soft spot. Some people their soft spot is gulab jamun. Some people their soft spot is uh, samosa. Some people their soft spot is uh, uh, cookies and cream ice cream. So Krishna's soft spot is when you share this message with others. So we encourage all of you, to all of us, to care to share. Om Tat Sat, thanks a lot. Hare Krishna. Does anybody have any reflections, questions, or comments? Yes. Um, Any mic runners not with a broken ankle? (laughs) You're disqualified. (laughs) We don't want you to run around. Somebody? White sweat? Yeah.
2: Um, So. He and I, we've been reading, um, Srimad Bhagavatam and Bhagavad Gita like regularly, um, for a few years now. Nice. Um, recently we came across a a quote, I forget where it was in the Bhagavatam, but it was saying that like, don't, it it was like saying don't, um, talk about Krishna to people who aren't interested and I'm, Mm, I'm curious like how you, um, talk about like how you get that, um, like how you get that first good meeting point. going.
0: Very good, great point. So Krishna says the same thing at the end of this chapter as well. At the end of the 18th chapter, he says, uh, "People that are, aren't interested." When we, uh, we just tap that little button, something's wrong with that mic on the back on the bottom of it. Sorry, yeah. there's something. So if people aren't interested, we don't want to. For example, say somebody who's coming from a different tradition that wants to fight, they want to debate. Then anything you tell them, they're just going to write down. Ooh, I can somehow twist this blue cowboy, many girlfriends, right? All the nice bullet points that these guys worship. You know, blue cowboys, and you know, uh, and so they'll make a whole bullet points, all different. So people who aren't interested. We have different different things that we can do for different people on different stages. So one thing we can do for almost anyone is give them prasadam. Give them that spiritually sanctified food. Um, if they're open to it, you can tell them this is food cooked with love and devotion offered to God or presented in whatever way you, you see fit. Then they, they even get more benefit if they have some idea what it is that they're eating. So that's one level. Um, there's kirtan music. There's, you know... They, we go out and chant. Like, for example, we go out to the park. She said she went out to the park, and what happened when she heard the chanting? Yeah. It touched her heart. Touched her heart. So that's why we, we bring the mantra out. It's the Sankirtan movement. We bring it out, and it touches people's heart. For example, we go to a wild and crazy place called the Oakland Halloween Block Party. It is... a, a there are thousands of people there. Most people are not fully dressed properly. It is a very heavy, crazy environment. But hundreds of people will chant Hare Krishna with us the whole night. I mean just imagine it from their perspective. If if there was some group that was paid to go out and sing about Budweiser. And they're singing, Bud, why is it, Bud, like, Bud, why is it? It might be exciting for 15 minutes if there was a bunch of people enthusiastic about something. Maybe five minutes. If they're just saying that one thing over and over again, people will just get fed up with it. So, what is going on in their minds? Like, I just sang three words for four hours from 10, a.m., 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. And I. And I wish I could, you know, the the cops shut the thing down at 2 a.m. <laughs> they tell the Hare Krishnas, if you guys don't go, then nobody else will go. This thing has to stop, 2 a.m.
1: <laughs>
0: so what is what goes on in their head? How can I sing this thing for four hours straight? Anything else they would have got fed up with. So there's got to be some... Realization, there's some some experience. What to speak if they again give it a try on a clear headed, <laughs> clear mind, <laughs> come to the temple and chant. So there, you try to figure out where they, wherever they're at, and you under uh, anticipate. Try to understand people's doubts. You know, if they're um, like you're saying, coming from the Christian perspective, then uh, um, then maybe the Teachings of bhakti will be more uh, potent than deity worship you know, there's different things that are more attractive for individuals. You figure out what is what what is um, it takes practice. Book distribution when devotees go out and sh- distribute books they become mature because they learn what works and what didn 't work what you know how uh, how to respond how to speak with people and so we, we try that. It takes practice and, and, and purity. One time, my spiritual master, he asked Shula Prabhupada a question. Now, he said "One Prabhupada, Prabhupada's relationship with him is that Prabhupada usually gave him sarcastic answers. And so he asked Prabhupada, when you're not here, how do we know that we're doing the right thing? And Prabhupada said, you may try, but you do the wrong thing. <laughs> And he took it as that there's no substitution to spiritual maturity. There's It's not just like a formula. If we, if we really want to make sure we hit the mark in, in all different decisions in life, we just have to become spiritually mature. There's no substitution for that. We have to grow and progress. So stop here. Everyone can enjoy your nice dinner. Mahaprasadam. If you, if you don't know where it's at, just follow the crowd to the other room. We have nice... Dinner for everyone, and then you—they'll uh, be jamming out from five uh, seven thirty to the rest of the night. We we'll also have Japa uh, session. Anybody has anybody n- never done Japa meditation? How many of you have done Japa meditation? Raise your hand. How many of you have never done has have done Japa meditation? Okay, so. If you stay for a little bit, it takes about 10 minute tutorial, you'll get a meditation class. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna.